Welcome to another Learn With Sue Walk and Talk podcast, where we chat about all things positive psychology, emotional intelligence and neuroscience, and we try and synthesize the science to be the best we can be. And uh, I'm chatting to you today with a few things. I don't know about you, but my head has gone all over the place in the last week or so. Um, Things seem to be ramping up, exceedingly busy. I felt like my head was spinning by the time I got to the end of Friday. Um, So I thought I'd just share a few of the random things that have been uh, going through my head and going on in my world um, in the last week or so. Um, And the reason I'm sharing these is just to see if maybe you might have uh, some moments of insight as well. Uh, So a couple of things. Um, Let me start with, uh, I was lucky enough on Thursday to go and see Adam Grant uh, here in Sydney for his half day uh, sort of session. Uh, It was really interesting. It was, uh, I kind of kept it uh, relatively uh, low key and I was sort of sitting at the back and taking notes and using it as an opportunity um, to tap into my unrealized strength of growth. Uh, What else could I learn? We were asked to think about our intention and mine was specifically to sit quietly and think and reflect. And um, the thing that I love with Adam Grant, he talks about many of the things that um, we talk about in our business. So he talked about micro expressions, he talked about emotions, he talked about the importance of um, understanding ourselves, he talked about things to do with givers and takers. If you've read his book, he talked about hidden potential and growth mindset and various other things that all sort of resonated with stuff that uh, we talk about on a regular basis. Um, One of the things that sort of struck me um, was a very simple um, uh, quote, for want of a better word, um, uh, that really sort of focused on, uh, was relevant for me at this sort of period of time, um, that was the um, difference between politeness and kindness. And uh, it really it struck a chord with me, um, and it may for you, I don't know, maybe it's just where my head was at at the time. Uh, politeness is not the same as kindness. Being polite is saying what makes people feel good today. Being kind is doing what helps people get better tomorrow. And that was really helpful for me because I know uh, Lee Waters posted something on her Facebook page about people pleasing uh, recently. And I recognized really from Adam's quote that sometimes I try and be do the right thing by other people but what I'm thinking of the right thing might not be the right thing and I get feedback all the time from um, team members basically telling me I'm too or not necessarily team all team members but some team members and um, friends and colleagues and, and family members that I'm too nice but that struck me as being nice is the same as politeness And sometimes I don't say things that probably need to be said because I'm being nice, I'm being polite. Sometimes I say yes a lot to what people want to do. And I say, yes, you want this. Yes, you don't want that. Yes, whatever. Um, But actually reminding myself that being kind may be different to being nice or being polite. And sometimes being kind uh, would be the saying no or boundaries or um, being more direct, etc. So that was a, just an interesting moment of insight. I'm sure there were many other things that uh, that came out of my Adam Grant session. And I have to admit, I've got lots of research papers that I'm going to look up from that session. But that was one area that my head was going. The other thing that uh, occurred to me this week, and it's so funny, I mean, anybody who's ever done the mesquite accreditation with me, and if you listen to the podcast from a couple of weeks ago, when I talked about the mesquite, 
I have said this for years. If your sensation score is higher than your managing score, you might sometimes find that you are feeling overwhelmed through the sensations of emotions, what they call emotional empathy, and may not then have as many tools to manage it. And I've talked about this numerous times uh, over the, the last few years. And what's really interesting to me is I had a moment, an epiphany uh, this week that recognized uh, why sometimes I have the challenges that I have, is sometimes uh, I can feel what other people are feeling so strongly that I don't do or say what needs to be said because I'm feeling what they're feeling and then I don't have the skills to manage it quite so well. So um, it was really lovely looking at my scores from a couple of weeks ago and then suddenly having this epiphany that I've told people in theory um, happens all the time is that sometimes if your sensation score is you take on other people's emotions and then the managing emotions is lower, it's much harder to deal with those emotions um, and it may hold you back from doing what you need to do because you're so conscious of how the other person is feeling because you're feeling it too. Um, so that was really again a major moment of epiphany it's amazing what you can learn through challenging situations isn't it um hopefully you've got uh, some of those yourself and if you want to know more about that please send me a message um just contact at langleygroup.com.au or contact at lemisu.com.com.au please feel free if you want to know any more so that was kind of some areas of where my head's been going from a personal perspective in the last week um the other thing is we have been talking about uh, nature quite a bit. So in our Lerma Sue sessions, um, we had a member session where we talked about the human nature connection. Uh, if you listened to our podcast last week, you would have heard Eric Brimer talking about um, that phenomenological ecological framework and our embodied experience of being part of nature as opposed to separate to nature. And uh, one of the papers that I've been reading this week as well has sort of been linked to that with um, what they call eudaimonic self-expansion. So some of you may be familiar with sort of, I suppose, two different types of well-being, even though they're very, uh, they're very closely linked or they have an overlap. Uh, we have more the hedonic uh, well-being, which is the pleasurable life, the uh, emotion component, the positive experience side of things. And then we might have the eudaimonic, which is more about um, meaning, growth, environmental mastery, uh, sense of purpose in life, all of those sorts of things. And we've talked about those on previous sessions. And so the reason that I sort of was thinking about it this week is because of a particular paper um, that only came out uh, sort of middle of or middle to end of last year where they were focusing on the effects of eudaimonic reflections on nature connectedness. So it's bringing all of this together. And what I really love here is they had three different studies. And I'll share with you a couple of things um, from these studies, and then you can see what you choose to do with this. So each study was basically um, that the, the participants, and there were a total of 1,314 participants in total across these um, three studies. In the first study, the participants reflected on how a future nature experience would give them a sense of uh, meaning. There was one, so there were three groups. One was meaning in life, which was the eudaimonic group. Uh, some of them were asked um, to reflect on how that future nature experience would be fun, 
um, and the hedonic sort of um, perspective. And uh, the other group were asked to reflect on how that future nature experience would be planned, which they classified as the mundane experience. So basically in study one, you've got three groups, um, over 100 people in each group, one reflecting on how a future nature experience would be connected to meaning in life, one group, how it would be fun, or another group, how it would be planned. So that was the first one. The second study they then took, uh, everybody was in a eudaimonic condition and they reflected on authenticity. So this was sort of a build on, so them being authentic. And then in study three, they asked people, the eudaimonic reflections were focused on growth. So again, growth and authenticity are part of that eudaimonic experience as well as meaning in life. What was interesting is in the sort of combination of all of that, um, from a eudaimonic perspective, the groups that reflected on meaning and the groups that reflected on growth actually had um, uh, a greater nature connectedness um, than the hedonic or the mundane, which kind of makes sense. But interestingly, the authenticity one didn't make a difference. So the impact, um, if we want to have that greater nature connectedness, um, the reflection on meaning, the reflection on growth seems to be um, much more powerful for us. Um, again, I'm sure it won't be a surprise to you to know that the hedonic reflection, so basically how much fun would it be, did result in a greater nature connectedness than mundane reflection. Um, but much weaker than the eudaimonic effect of meaning and of growth. So the thing that I like about this is they sort of pulled it all together and found that um, if we think about that, uh, that sense of eudaimonic, that meaning in life, that sense of um, growth potentially as a person, um, having the, the biggest impact on this nature connectedness, um, what they found was is because it can cause the self to expand to include nature. So it almost then, because we're connected to and more inclusive with nature, then it tends to um, form a stronger positive experience. And I think that's useful because it links to what Eric Brimer was talking about on our uh, member session of actually we are part of nature. And we've spent a lot of our history thinking about ourselves as separate to nature, as in nature is there to serve us. What plants can we use as medicine? What animals can we use as food, etc.? What natural resources can we use to create things? We have created ourselves as separate from nature. Um, what Eric Brimer was talking about and his research was talking about is we are nature, we are part of nature, and we actually thrive more when we remind ourselves that we're part of nature. And this particular paper, um, uh, and I'm not sure I'm saying his name right, Michael Lengieza, um, his uh, research has actually indicated that when we focus on those more eudaimonic experiences, then we tend to be more connected. It, we, uh, we expand to include nature, so we're part of nature as opposed to being separate from it. Now, I don't know what you can do with that piece of information either. All right, one last thing, and again, you can see how far my head has been going over the last uh, the last week. Another paper that I've been uh, reading is The History of Mindset, Ash Buchanan, and Ash's work is fantastic around mindset. A lot of things, um, a lot of people will have heard about Carol Dweck's work around uh, fixed and growth mindset. And yet for many of us sort of in this space, um, you probably actually recognize that 
Carol Dweck wasn't the first person to talk about mindset. Um, there were many other people that were sort of playing in this space. And what I really love about Ash's work is this um, pulling together of the history, if you like, around um, mindset, etc., uh, including Ellen Langer's work uh, around mindset and uh, mindfulness, um, around the difference between adaptive leadership, global mindset, systems change, um, sustainability, all these other sort of components. And he's got a really good... Um, uh, there's a really good uh, image in the paper that talks about all of the component bodies of work from really sort of 1988 uh, through to sort of in the 2000s um, that look at the origins, the history, the lineage of mindset visualized as a collective, inte collectively intelligent field or ecosystem. And it's really lovely for anybody wanting to know more about this because we know that Carol Dweck's research has been critiqued and, and validly critiqued that um, the uh, replication hasn't occurred even when looking at over 100 schools um, working on this, they didn't get the same sort of results. And yet actually when you pull all of these things together around these bodies of work to do with international relations, mindfulness from Ellen Langer, uh, action phases, systems thinking, global mindset, adaptive leadership, transformation, transformative learning, fixed and growth mindset from Carol Dweck, sustainability, immunity to change, and X mindsets. If you pull all that together, it gives us some really cool, uh, robust um, themes, if you like, about what is really important. Now, I'm not going to go into this uh, more deeply now, um, I will probably do a full session on this. It is a great paper, it's a big paper, and Ash has done a brilliant job of pulling it together, and it literally came out February 2024, so it's pretty new. So if you would like to know more on that in future um, sessions, please keep tuned in. And if you would like to join us for some of our live learning sessions um, and get access to a lot of our member results, including courses, activities, uh, interviews, etc., then please check us out at learnwithsue.com.au. Thank you so much, everybody, and I will see you again uh, next time, uh, and I will be coming to you from a range of different places, including uh, Dubai, New York, Lisbon, and London. So, uh, hence why my head is spinning at the moment. I hope you are having a fabulous year so far. I hope if you've not, then you've got the tools in your toolkit to handle them, and thank you so much for being a part of our Learn With Sue journey. Thanks, everyone. See you again.